Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to Outbound Metrics. This is the number one podcast that features audio case studies of outbound sales campaigns for B2B lead generation agency owners. No other podcast goes as in-depth and tactical as this one when it comes to deconstructing and reverse engineering winning outbound sales campaigns. I'm Morgan Williams, and over the past couple of years, I've had the opportunity to interview dozens of agency owners, SaaS founders, and growth consultants on this podcast about how they craft high-converting multi-channel outbound sales campaigns. And this position has given me a unique insight into what's working right now in the outbound sales industry. That includes onboarding, how to find data and prospects, how to use multiple channels like email, the phone, LinkedIn, direct mail, voicemail, social media, and more. I've also had the opportunity to spend my entire 13-year and counting career involved in generating new business for a variety of B2B software and service companies. If I've learned one thing about this industry, it's that things change very rapidly. As new tools enter the system that automate sales and make cold outreach faster and easier, and new companies enter the market, constantly fighting over customers, old cold outreach strategies have become less and less effective. My guest in this episode is on the cutting edge of the future of cold outreach. In this episode, I had the opportunity to speak to Michael Gardner, a serial founder, digital nomad, and high-performing B2B lead generation expert and agency owner who clocks in at the ripe old age of 20 years old. Michael is an impressive young man who has one of the most thorough and detailed onboarding and delivery processes for getting his clients results that I've ever seen. This process gives him everything he needs to craft some of the most compelling laser-targeted email copy I've ever seen. His process includes a scalable customization framework that allows him to send personalized messaging to each prospect at scale. That's right, each prospect in his campaigns will get an email in their inbox that looks as if it was crafted by hand specifically for them, resulting in better open reply and conversion rates. He also has a simple tech stack that cuts out complexity and gets results. So if you're using cold outreach to acquire new customers, where do you go from here? How do you continue to innovate and rise above your competitors? Tell me if you can relate to this. What worked several years ago simply doesn't work as well because there are so many more people fighting over prospect attention spans. It's because of the vicious cycle of declining open rates, lower reply rates, fewer conversions, and diminishing ROI. Today, you're going to learn exactly what it takes to succeed in this new era of cold outreach. We'll look at exactly how to systematize and streamline a simple yet incredibly powerful and effective cold outreach process from the ground up. Look, I know you'll enjoy this one and I'll see you on the other side. What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? 
Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you are sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome Welcome to to Outbound Outbound Metrics. Michael Gardner is a 20-year-old digital nomad and serial entrepreneur who is the founder of Done For You Meetings, a prospecting agency that specializes in generating sales meetings for marketing agencies, SaaS companies, and other B2B businesses. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you on. Are you ready to dive in? Uh, Yes, Morgan, I certainly am. Thanks for having me on. Outstanding. Pleasure to have you. How does Done For You Meetings get results? Sure. So Done For You Meetings is a prospecting agency, and we work with uh, tons of B2B businesses, primarily marketing agencies. And essentially, we set them up sales meetings with their ideal prospects by using cold email. Gotcha. And what would you say makes your agency different from the sea of other agencies out there? Sure. So our cold email approach is unique, funky, a bit odd, you might call it. We like to get really niche and personal for outreach. So rather than sending a corporate and humorless message, we like to get really personal in the niches. Like for example, let's say our client has a Boston Terrier. We might go after companies that make specific products for Boston Terriers as a marketing agency. Or sometimes we include really funny humor in our emails. Or we just try to take really creative approaches. So I've always been a creative person and prospecting is something that doesn't always see way too much creativity. So I like to tie that creativity in my prospecting and it tends to work quite well because we stand out from the crowd. Exactly. Standing out in the inbox. Is your pricing productized or custom? So it's custom for our clients. Gotcha. And who is your ideal customer? So my ideal customer is somebody who runs a marketing agency or any really digital agency selling a high ticket product. And they have existing case studies and they know who they want as a customer. So I can really nail in that targeting. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, going into our example case study we'll look at today. So this is prospecting that you have done for your agency, correct? Yes. Okay, awesome. So we already went into the piece where we talked about your ideal customer and kind of who you're going after. So let's go into like, I, I first we were, we were chatting a little bit before we started and I think it'd be a good place to start here with your onboarding process because we can kind of get into like how you deal with how you start to generate these, this creativity in your prospecting. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I love to do outreach if it's really personal. That's the best way I can explain it. So for example, if I find out a client is a strong Christian, then I'm going to specifically isolate people in whatever niche he's going for that I can identify as Christian. And in the copy, I'm going to write to that interest. So my onboardings are always a bit, uh, you can call them funny because People expect questions like, what is your ideal client worth and how long have you been in business, which those questions are asked. But I also ask like, what type of dog do you have? Do you have a cat? Uh, what religion are you? What's your ethnicity? What neighborhood were you born in? What 
what do you have any chronic illnesses or chronic pain or what are your hobbies when you're not working? Because I like to uh, latch on to these little niches and really dive into those in the campaigns so I can relate really well to people um, when I'm emailing them. So, right. So instead of taking the approach where you are kind of like customizing the email a little bit for based on each prospect, you are finding you're using an affinity of, you know, the either whether it's you have or that your client has and finding people who kind of fit in that lane and then sending them that messaging. Yeah, absolutely. And if we do have a situation where we can't really personalize heavily to a certain niche, we do sometimes do like two to three custom sentences in our prospecting, but ideally we're getting so niche and personal, that it just matches that micro niche, but sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, that's when we actually personalize the emails with, you know, two or three sentences. Gotcha. Awesome. So talking about this campaign you're using for your company, what does kind of the background look like for that? What is your, where's your head go when you are starting to develop this campaign? Sure. So talking about a campaign for my company, I'd actually like to talk about a campaign I do for my, I do for my Facebook agency. So I actually run a Facebook agency. What's funny is my prospecting agency came from the fact that I was getting such good results from my Facebook agency. And interesting enough, I've been doing outreach since 2015 for different businesses of mine. And I actually had no ideas any good of it until I started getting on the phone with other people doing it. And they saw the results I was getting. And they're just like, wow, that's, that's crazy. So I'd actually love to talk about the outreach I do uh, for my Facebook ads agency, as I think that'll be the most applicable to people. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Sweet. So you just want to just jump into the campaign and the whole ideas behind it? Yeah, let's let's talk about like let's start with the audience you're targeting and kind of to go from there. Sure. So for my Facebook ads agency, we are targeting e-commerce business owners. And in terms of who we're targeting, we try to qualify people who are doing over twenty thousand dollars a month in revenue. And the best way we can qualify that is based off, you know, how large your social media audience is or you know, the quality of websites. So we don't actually have any direct indicators of revenue but we do look at external things that are likely to match up with revenue. Gotcha. So e-commerce owners over 20 K in revenue, judging that based on uh, making an estimation based on the size of their social audience. So you're going through and just like pulling their social handles and kind of putting them in a, in a Google sheet. Yeah, we have a, I have a team that does my lead gen, but we have a checklist we go through of clients to make sure they fit the mold. So some of the things on our checklist are like, are they over 20 K followers, but under 300 K? they're not verified. They have a Facebook pixel. They're running under 20 ads. Do their products, are their pro- average product over $20? Um, we have a whole bunch of qualifiers. That way I'm not getting on the phone with people I can't help. Gotcha, gotcha. So we've, we're narrowing down this list of people. Any particular way you're finding these companies, like just, you know, the, you're finding the sure. you know, companies and then doing those kind of limiting things? Sure. So I love to be really creative with my lead source. So I use a mixture of what I call scalable lead sources and also lead sources that are not so scalable. So a scalable lead source would be like finding brands on Instagram. There's virtually unlimited, but there's also not a ton of context. What I really love to do is I love to find podcasts that interview my ideal clients. I love to find entrepreneurial interview sites that interview my ideal clients. And I also love to find like a couple of top lists. So for example, if I wanted to reach out to companies that sell hammocks, I would look up like top 20 hammocks. 
And then I could reach out to people specifically from that list. So when I'm reaching out to them, I'm going to go ahead and customize my script based on where I found them. And also my subject line would be like found name on podcast name. Awesome. So it adds a lot more context than just on Instagram. Not that Instagram doesn't work, but the more context, the better. Right. Because I would assume more people are going through Instagram and scraping people or doing whatever and messaging them than they are doing something more unscalable like you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where like I do both because one of them will have the issue of volume. Another one have an issue of not having a bit, not the results aren't quite as great, but they both work. And that's why I like to do them both at the same time. Gotcha. It's like a quality versus quantity approach. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So we've got this list curated e-com store owners who are over 20K in revenue based on this criteria. You've kind of triangulated this. So we've got that. From there, are, next, are you going and building out this copy that you're writing to them? How do you think about your email sequence? So I normally start with a campaign outline. So I like to reach out to 600 leads per month per email. And typically, I'm only reaching out to about 600 to 1,200 per month. I do low volume because I get pretty good responses and anything over that, I find myself getting overwhelmed. I still get the higher salesperson. That's one of my next steps. So I start out with a campaign strategy. It might be that I want to reach out to 100 people in this sub-niche, 100 people in that sub-niche, 100 people that were interviewed on this podcast, 100 brands that were featured in top 10 or top 20 lists. So I go through and I build that, that outline of who I want to reach out to and where I'm finding them, what type of businesses they are. And then I take a core script that I use for almost every campaign and I personalize it to that, those different lead sources and niches. And I'll throw a couple outliers in there too. Like I'm constantly testing, but in general, I have like one core script I use that just, it just works. It almost always works. And on the side of lower volume, I'm testing some more fun and creative ones. Um, like I like to do some scripts that are closer to a comedy show than anything, but those are never the main ones I'm sending out. I'm always testing those against um, a proven script because, you know, like for example, if we're doing a super funny, outrageous script, it's either going to crush it or do terrible. Where, you know, there's some scripts which you can get pretty consistent with. Gotcha. So you're testing two scripts. One is like your main, you know, script that, uh, what did you say? It's proven script, right? Versus like a kind of like a A A-B testing, a kind of wacky. Outrageous. Yeah. Humorous, outrageous script makes sense. Um, just to see like which one, which one performs better, right? Are you making, when you run your campaign, are you making, are you, were you constantly bring in like another, you just like cycle out those humor scripts to test yeah, against I that just, proven one? I'll run them against, I'll run them to a hundred leads, 50 to a hundred leads and just see how people react to them. And I'm using a level list. So I just look at the metrics and the main metrics I'm looking at are positive response rate. So not just response rate, but also positive response rate. Because when you're running these far out ones, sometimes you have a high response rate, but it's like, screw (laughs) off. So I'm looking for those positive response rates. And another thing too is like, I like to reach out to different niches with the same template, slightly customized to them. Because you'll find some niches are just so much more friendly than other niches. Like I can name some niches where people are just downright mean (laughs) and some niches that are just so easy to have a nice conversation with. What are some of those on both ends, some niches or niches? I've been told that, what is it? Niche, niche. Everybody says, yeah, niche. I'm not sure. (laughs) 
I have been told to kill myself so many times <laughs> from British plumbers. British plumber. They are the meanest people, I swear. Like, if I ever needed someone to save my life, good God, I hope we're not a British plumber. <laughs> In general, British people are just less friendly when it comes to email, I'd say, too. Um, <laughs> like, my British clients, I always encourage them to go to Canada or the United States, like, for targeting. If I, for example, I always, I always try to, like, estimate my results and then cut them by half when I'm reaching out to people in the UK. But yeah, I actually, I literally have a swipe file of all my favorite mean cold emails. Yeah. <laughs> I personally find it funny. I mean, when you send out so many emails, eventually it's just, it's just humorous. So yeah. very nice prospects would be people who own pet based e-commerce brands and mm-hmm. also like women. Like I write separate scripts to women, but I do men quite often. So sometimes I'll act, like if I have a campaign that's far enough along, I'm testing tiny things. I'll actually write separate scripts to men that, um, up in women. Like, so on the women's, I'll be a little bit more softer and um, more personal. And for men, I'll be a bit more direct. Interesting. And so you'll do that after you've done run a, a couple tests. Yeah, that, that's later on the optimizing process. I'm not going to do that right at the beginning, but I especially do it if I have a female client. So like if I have a female client that owns a marketing agency that I'm doing outreach for, then I'm going to go ahead and I'll right off the bat, write a script from female to female, one from female to male. Gotcha. So c- the content of the emails, can we go into kind of like at a high level what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So it starts off with always, hey, name and an icebreaker. So when I'm doing an icebreaker, there's three different types of icebreakers that I like to do. So I have customized breakers, which are when I'm having a virtual assistant write two to three custom sentences. I have niche standardized icebreakers, which is when it's such a small sub-niche or lead source that I don't need to actually personalize it at all. I just have the same one for everybody. And then I have what I call standardized custom, which is kind of a funny way to say it, where if I'm reaching out to, say, a bit bigger niche, I can probably identify like five or six icebreakers that would work across everybody. So typically for me, I have one, like, let's say, I'll give an example, a client of mine who's reaching out to yoga pants brands. I have an icebreaker for companies that have like overlaid models for like body positivity. I have Mm -hmm. another icebreaker for companies that have like um, every ethnicity for diversity. I have another icebreaker for eco-friendly materials, another one for for stores that are donated to charity, another one for like a cool founder story, and then a generic one. So rather than pay... I pay 40 cents, 40 cents for someone to write those two or three sentences. If it's a, it's, it's a niche, but it's not quite micro enough to do the same sentence. I just have a virtual assistant go and place the icebreaker if it's most relevant. Got you. So the custom one is like going, you're looking up that person, figuring out yeah. one thing about them. And then you do it by the, the niche, right? Yeah. And then you are, and then you're, and then for the standardized custom, you're, it's kind of the niche, but you're splitting that even further into, you're segmenting that niche. Yeah, because in general, you'll find if you're reaching out to a thousand prospects, you're saying the same stuff over and over again, for the most part. So you can kind of standardize it. Like, for example, it might be, I love how you're not only looking to make a profit, but also looking to make a world a better place. Seeing mm-hmm. the type of work that, I'm um, seeing type of, seeing the type of, work that the charities you're supporting are doing is really inspiring. I'm sure it makes you feel great as an entrepreneur. Like that could apply to anybody who's donating 5% of charity, mm-hmm. but it still feels custom enough because, you know, if they weren't donating to charity, then it wouldn't match. 
How do you determine which one to use is based on who, like which one they fit into, which slot? Yeah, so I go through and record like a, a screen recorded video from my virtual assistant and I'll just go and place like 10 myself. And I have like a big bold title, like for ethnic diversity, if overweight models, if donated to charity, if environmentally friendly. So it's pretty easy to pair them up. And you said you, you put that in there, how you, you just have... I have a virtual assistant, like have a, has a big list of these standardized ones and just go copy and paste it into like a, an Excel sheet, like where it, I would normally have one type, type it out. Gotcha. So they're like, if they find this thing on the company, yeah. here's what you should use. Boom, put that in. Yeah, which gotcha. it, it lowers cost a lot when you can do that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it takes me from about 40 cents for someone to write two or three sentences down to like eight or nine cents. Mm-hmm. Which so when you're sending out thousands of emails for all your clients, that adds up. Yeah, for sure. So that first email we're doing, hey, name, icebreaker. Where does it kind of go from there at the icebreaker? So, hey, name, icebreaker. And then we try to transition nicely into offering them some ideas. I'll give an example. Um, you mentioned you found me on Starter Story, right? I saw you there when I was researching you, but we first met on Facebook. But anyway, okay. for, the, for the example, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, I'll use, I actually did a campaign to every, every e-commerce brand on Starter Story. For listeners here, Starter Story is a website that interviews entrepreneurs and talks about their journeys. So, for me, it was like, hey, name icebreaker about starter story the reason i'm then i have a transition the reason i've been reached out i'm reaching out to you I mean, this is not exact but general idea um reason i'm reaching out to you is ever since i've been featured on starter story because i actually got featured myself i always love to check out what brands are doing every week and read the new stories and after looking more into company i had a couple ideas so kind of transitioning from like the you know personalized portion to business and i generally have very soft call to actions like from my experience in this industry, for example, like from my experience working with dozens of e-commerce brands and looking at your website, I had like three things in mind that I think could really increase revenue. Are you open to hearing? And then I'll split test sending people a screen recorded video, going over my ideas and then giving them to book a call versus just sending them straight to a calendar link. Mm, got you. Are you, send, are you saving time? You wait to see who's interested and then you find the ideas? Uh, I'm sorry, what do you mean? Uh, like, you know, you're sending these emails out. And so once they respond, oh, yeah. then not, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. And, and if someone, let's say, slips the filters and there's a bad fit, I'll just give them their ideas and tell them have a nice day. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just to keep on my word. Right. And I, I just want to, I want to actually articulate that for anyone listening in case they didn't, they didn't get it. Michael is offering them the ideas. And once they respond with interest, then he is going and creating that value and offering that via video rather than like researching a hundred plus companies that may not care and wasting time. So you are, you're essentially big picture taking a super systematic approach at creating the most highly customized email possible as efficiently as you can. Yeah, absolutely. I I used to try higher volume, like Mm -hmm. mass volume, but another thing I found is the sales calls I got off mass volume just weren't as good, right? Mm. Like the quality of person who responds to a cut and paste email versus the quality of person who responds to a super personalized email is just completely different. Sometimes people don't even know I cold emailed them. They don't even know we're part of the campaign, which is really sure. great. And also the fact that it's so niche or personalized, that makes the sales call a lot easier. 
Because if it's just a cut and paste message, I got to make up some icebreaker where if I was emailing them because they were also on starter story, we got a 10 minute icebreaker right there. Yeah. Yeah. It helps you build rapport for sure. Okay. So are you always offering some ideas for their business or relevant? Is that kind of? Yeah. Normally just offering ideas. I never have too many. I don't like hard call to actions. So I find hard call to actions before the phone. Like, cause if I do anything too hard on email, it doesn't convert as well. Or I know if I'm good at sales and my client's good at sales, I just got to get them on the phone. And then everything is going to be taken care of from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes total sense. And everything for this campaign is you're giving value around Facebook advertising, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is too, like sometimes people take my ideas and then they won't, you know, end up becoming a client. But some six months later, when they're thinking of like, oh, I need help now who to reach out to, the fact that I had such a positive experience of them giving just ideas for free, but are actually like actually put effort into them, they're valuable. You know, I've had people come back to me six months later, be like, hey, can we do what you, you know, mentioned yeah. to us? <laughs> yeah. And and one one thing I always hear from especially from newer entrepreneurs like, what if they take your ideas and do them yourself? It's so rare that someone actually will implement what you tell them. Like mm-hmm. it's so rare because they're gonna have to build the whole skill set and most business owners just don't want to. Yeah. And that person's not a buyer anyway, right? Yeah. Like a buyer is going to be like, okay, I see the value in this and I know I'm going to get more value than, you know, what I spend on it. I imagine I want to explore this at least. Let's, let's talk. Right. So, okay. Awesome. Do you have a format for how you do those videos? I keep them pretty casual. Like normally I just start off by talking about like whatever's unique about them, whether it's a lead source or a niche. And then I give myself like a five second introduction. I just get straight to it, like point one, point two, point three. Then after that, call to action to book a call. So are you familiar with Loom? Yeah. So I use Loom, which is just a, a screen recording tool that lets you record your face, your, uh, your screen, your audio. And the reason I like Loom is you can add buttons to the video to go watch. So I always have a big book a call button in the top right corner. So at the end, I make it as easy as possible. Don't even have to leave the video, just click book a call. Gotcha. So I always have a little call to action at the end. Nice. And that goes to calendar link. Yeah. Gotcha. You have like a Google doc open with that screen share that you're outlining? I normally just on their website. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, these don't normally take me more, but like the, the videos are normally like five to six minutes long. I used to do longer, but people's attention spans are short. And mm-hmm. like one quick thing I found that helps is I always tell people if you're in a rush, you can watch this video at 1.5 or two speed. A lot of people don't know they can do that. So I, I make it known that they have that option. So my goal is to get them to watch as much as possible. Gotcha. That's smart. You, you just say that? You, you audibly prompt them that? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I love that. I love that. So that's in, that's in the first email. All that. Well, of course, the video would come after. Yeah, after you respond. You are doing that personalized icebreaker and offering some value to see if they are interested in it. The people who, okay, and so you're, you're sending that video and then you're done with it until they respond. You're not like following oh, The video is that. after they've responded actually. So, right. I, well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So I make them respond before I record the video. Otherwise, it takes so much time. So they have to respond. Yeah, thanks for the email, Michael. We'd love to hear your ideas. And then I send them the video. Right. I was talking about like after you, so they respond and you send that video. If you get no response from them, it's kind of just like you're done with that and moving to the next one. Do you have a follow-up? I follow up, up with them. Yeah. Okay. It's more casual though. I just throw them in a CRM. It's just like, 
hey, name, want to check in and see if you had a chance to watch the video and if you're looking for any more explanation or, you know, I just get, the whole idea is pitching a phone call. And on Loom, you can actually see how much of your video they watched. My follow-ups are different based on if they watched it or if they didn't watch it. Gotcha. I love this, man. This is so deep. <laughs> I love this. I'm writing, I'm writing this stuff down too based on percentage watch. So that's more of just like not hard follow-up, but just building that database of it, yeah. people who engage with you. I mean, I found that the harder you try to follow up, the less likely you are to actually get the deal. Because mm. like, if the thing is, if people want to work with you, they're going to work with you. You really sure. wanting them to work with you and following up super aggressively. Again, there's a difference between aggressively and consistently. Like, sure. it's okay to follow up consistently, but the moment you sound desperate, it, it's dead. So like, if let's say I have a client I really want, I'll continue to email them but I'll just look to provide them value. Like for example, I might make a note, my CRM, let's say we're running five ads and I send them a video. And then three months later, we're not running any ads. I might check in and say, Hey, so you guys stopped running ads. What's up? Mm-hmm. Or I might purposely try to find a competitor who has really great ads. And on Facebook, you can click on what's called page transparency and see ads anybody's running. And I'll record a video. Hey, I actually came across these ads while doing some research for a client. And this company is just like yours. And I want to share with you what they're doing. I think this would be great insights for yourself. Yeah, I, I just have a follow-up process like that. It doesn't, it's not heavily systematized after they get off to main campaign, but I have a general like path I follow for each person. Sure, sure. I would also say that like follow-up intensity would also depend on industry too. I think like more aggressive follow-up versus less intense follow-up. It would depend depend on industry. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely reasonable. One thing I am just starting to implement, so I can't speak on the results of this, but I can speak on the concept, is having my calendar page actually on a unlisted page of my website, so I can hit them with a pixel. And then, mm. we, and the thing is, like, you think about how many people actually touch your calendar in a year. Like for me, it's a few hundred. Like I get for one dollar a day you can see my face all day, right? Like, yeah. So that's another thing I'm considering. And I've actually started to test it out. So just throwing your calendar on your website, hit them with a Facebook pixel. If you really want to have fun, throw a couple other pixels on there too. And just $1 a day, super, super um, consistent retargeting ads with a high frequency. So everybody's seeing your face multiple times a day. Like I got some buddies who do intense retargeting and they do pretty well from it. Like one of my friends... Really? I have seen his face like seven times a day for the last three years. <laughs> and I, I never forget about him. I think about him every day. Yeah, yeah. Every day. That's crazy. Does that your first foray into retargeting or just retargeting the calendar? Um, that's my first attempt to retarget people specifically from a calendar. But I mean, I do retargeting campaigns for oh, other Oh, yeah, because you're doing yeah. Facebook. Yeah, of course. Have you, have you used it for prospecting now? Have you? No, I haven't. Up? It's yeah. my first time like properly doing it. I mean, it just makes so much sense. I just hadn't done it until more recently. So I don't really have any hard data. Um, yeah, I actually no, got the funny. idea from a business conference I was at last weekend. You know, that, that, that makes, it makes a ton of sense. I saw someone doing that with LinkedIn months ago, months ago. Like instead of doing a hard pitch on LinkedIn, they just made this super valuable case study. And we're like, here, check out the, you know, here's the link to the case study. Targeted list of people. I think the case study, just some content, right? No harm, no foul. And then we get pixeled and then retargeted, you know, not via LinkedIn, but on, I put a Facebook bits on there or something. But anyway, 
Regardless. Yeah, I, I, I love that. That's awesome. Keeps you top of mind because even if they're not interested now in six months from now and they want the service that you have, who are we going to think about? Right. You. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Email number two. What are we looking at for that? And when Ultra, does that come up? I'm sorry. Um, email number two is normally like three to five business days after. And it's ultra boring, ultra boring. So email, okay. my thought process is email one and two. I want them to think I could have genuinely sat down and wrote them an email. Mm-hmm. My email three, four, five, six, sometimes I go down to eight. By that far, everybody knows it's a campaign. But email right. one and two, I want them to think I could have sat down and wrote it. So certainly like, hey, name, I'm sure you're super busy. Wanted to make sure it didn't get lost in your inbox. Thanks. That's it. I don't really do anything else because if I was actually emailing you, that's a pretty legit email I might write. Right. I put this all this effort. If I'm doing this manually, like I put an all this effort for the first one. So I'm just going to send like a quick little follow-up. That makes sense. So it's like a quick follow-up, bump email. And email outreach is changing, man. Even over the past, like you say you're doing it in 2015. And I was doing, I was starting cold email around that time too. I think like, you know, 2015. 2016. It's so different now, man. It's crazy. My cold outreach is a lot different than too. I was actually, so I was actually 15 years old in 2015. I'm young. Jesus Christ. Um, (laughs) So I had a, back then I had a few million Instagram followers between some accounts. So I was always trying to get people to buy like shout outs, promotions. So Mm -hmm. I was just messaging everybody like crazy. And I knew if I sent a hundred messages, I'd get like one person to pay me. But looking back at how sloppy my messaging was, Considering how well it worked is shocking. I know. I was in a, in a job in like 2012 to 2015 before I got heavy into email. And I was sending out, I guess you could call it cold email at the time. It was like a heavy cold calling job. And I was using email, but just like basic, like Outlook email, like blasts, BCCing people or like said, no, none, none of that like automation existed back then that i know of and it you know but people still responded to it you know now that stuff just like very minimal it would work you know just like basic mail merges but it's crazy stuff okay we got the number one email we got the the bump and you said you go anywhere from three to eight but it sounds like those uh follow like well i'll let you tell me sure so I'll just more briefly go through those emails. Uh, my third email is like, I call it like a throwing rocks email or like us versus them. So no matter who I'm selling, like for marketing agencies, I think everybody's had at least one bad experience with a marketing agency. Oh yeah. I try to address that and then go right into a case study. For example, like name, I totally get it. You probably have worked with a marketing agency, a pretty logo, fancy suits, maybe even took you to dinner. Well, I might be wearing sweatpants on my computer right now. I can tell you we are results focused. For example, our client name was also very hesitant when he first heard from us, but after case study, and then we just try to never call to action. Email four, I call it the better intro email. It's where I better introduce myself as like an entrepreneur and a human. Like I always start off like name, maybe I should give myself a better introduction. And I talk about my like journey as an entrepreneur. I try to relate it to theirs if it's a niche specific thing. And then I include number case study. Email five. Uh, we start off like, you're a tough one to reach. I have a couple of lines I use, number case study. And then everything past that is just like, hey, name, had never a huge client win. Wanted to go ahead and tell you about it because I thought it was relevant. Email one to five, we're doing like three to five days apart normally. Then email five to eight, those are like 10 to 15 days apart for each of them. 
And my thought process is, like for me, if you cold email me, I was thinking, what is the thing that's gonna make me respond? My mood for me, I can be moody. Like, so yeah. sometimes I just have a bad month. So if I, my campaign only lasts 20 days, you might catch me on a bad month. So my thought process of emailing people like 10 days later, 15 days later, 10 days later, maybe they have a need then, or maybe they were having inventory issues and now we're not having inventory issues. Or maybe it was like their hot season and now it's, you know, they need, they need leads or need business. Or maybe they are just like, I don't know, maybe they broke their leg and we're having a bad month. So that's my thought process in continuing that campaign on an ongoing basis after that. Yeah. I'm seeing those longer follow-ups too be a trend, like longer as in like less frequency between touches. So longer campaigns, same number of touches, but just more time in between them. And it's interesting to see that. I'm noticing that trend as well. I'm hearing a lot of that from people. Yeah. And there's really no additional cost or harm to do it. No, no. It's, it's kind of like cold email. At least I, I believe it started out very like rapid fire, follow up quick, boom, 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 like short campaigns, get it out there. And then as more people started doing it, it became, that became less effective. And now it's more, you got to do more customization like you're doing. You got to follow up, you know, switch up your frequency and more into like, I don't know if it's like relationship building. I don't know, but I'm, I'm seeing that trend too. Sometimes just being far out works. Like yeah. I won't get into some of our funnier campaigns like fully because there's no structure, it's just random. Yeah. But like to give you an example, like uh, my, my icebreaker might be like, hey name, found you on a list, but guess what? At least you're list worthy. Like yeah. dumb stuff like that. Or my, my, like a signature might be like, have a more of intolerable day. And if you're not, feel free to send me all your favorite profanities. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like dumb, funny stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one thing I have a, I have a team member who's the most creative copywriter I know. And like one thing he likes to say in his follow up is like name for every day you don't respond another puppy cries. And it's like a gif of like a bunch of crying puppies. Yeah. Again, it's just like, this stuff is so far out and whack, but it, it definitely makes you stand out. Yeah. Are you, so are you using any images or videos in the non humor campaigns, like the standard campaigns? Uh, no. Yeah. And when we do humor, we send a lot lower volume to stay out of spam. So like okay. if we're using images, we're not going to do over like a hundred a month. And you said no for the standard? It's all no, text? no images, all okay. just text. We didn't even use any signatures. It's just, I just signed my name, Michael Gardner. Gotcha. So you don't use a signature. Interesting. Is that for no. deliverability? Um, avoid the links for deliverability. And also I just really want to look like I sat down and wrote someone email. I mean, sometimes if it's a short copy, I'll even put like the scent from my iPhone text you get when like the, uh, on the, I'm sure you've seen yeah. that before. Yeah. So my first two, I want people to think I sat down and emailed them. After that, people are smart enough to let them. But those first two, I really want you people to think I sat down and might've emailed them. So will you use that scent from an iPhone for your first email or I, I, I use it, second? I use it on split tests that I do like shorter copy. So sometimes I split test like really short copy. Like, Hey, name, personalized lines. Sitting here at the barber found your Instagram. Had a couple ideas for you. You open hearing. Mike, set for my phone. So yeah. sometimes I test like that super brief copy. Gotcha. Awesome. All email, any phone, any LinkedIn? I haven't yet. Reason being is not because I don't think it's a good option. I'm just focused on getting the best possible results I can on email. And yeah. I'm in a process now where like right now I'm doing about half of it myself and half of my team. I'm slowly removing myself from the, the process and I'm going to start testing with my own time when I have a bit more time because mm -hmm. I, 
I want to, I'd rather do one thing great than two things. Okay. So I want to sure. make sure when I do a second thing, it's also great. You're doing 600 emails a month per email that you're using in your Limlist account. Yeah. Okay. And what does that stack? What does your stack look like? You got Limlist sending emails. I have a team in Bangladesh with a physical office that generates all my leads. I use Lemlist for email sending. In terms of like finding leads, they use a whole bunch of softwares. I have a I have a, a head manager there who he handles a lot of that. So I kind of stay out of a tech. We use Lemlist for sending. Uh, we always use Gmails, Google domains. And in terms of my internal team, I have a few Filipinos who do like the personalization. And I have a, a, a guy named Bruce from the UK who helps me with my copywriting and client management. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, for handling the replies, right? How do you... How do you handle that? Does your guy in the UK just handle, manage all the replies? And We actually don't handle replies for our clients. We just do sending. We help them with, pro- we help them with um, like actually set an appointment, but we don't offer it. We're doing it for like one person right now just to test it. Um, it is something we'll probably do a bit more of later. It's just not something we fully rolled out right now. Okay. What about for like this campaign or for your, for your company? How do you like manage? I mean, when a lot of replies mm-hmm. can come in, it can get, you know. I've got a really great girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Who handles that? She, she helps us on my email replies. Okay. So yeah. are you using a, like, are you using a CRM just like keeping track of who's replied? And- yeah. I personally just use Trello as a CRM. It's nothing fancy. Because what I've, what I've personally found is that I just get so overwhelmed at these massive CRMs with so much functionality. Yeah. And I end up spending a lot, like, not, but there's not, like, I'm focused on 90% improvements, not 2% improvements. So in my opinion, like, the biggest jump is just having a CRM. And then mm-hmm. all the little other tweaks are, you know, 1%, 2% improvements. So I just use Trello, try to stay consistent with it. And maybe in the future, I'll, I'll worry about doing something more fancy. But as of mm-hmm. right now, Trello's uh, doing a job for me. What are your stages for people? like responded, sent an audit or not an audit, like a video, meeting set, had meeting, proposal delivered, fence riders closed and do not contact. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. Cool. Campaign results, metrics. I'd love to hear just like some numbers around how this performed. So I always aim for at least 80 to 90% open rate. I feel like that's honestly pretty easy to get like open rates or you know, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular campaign got about 95%, which is really high, but I always aim for 80 to 90. In terms of responses, I aim for 10 to 20, but this campaign got around 35% response rate, which is really good for wow. starter story. But I always aim for 10 to 20. And booked meetings, I always aim for 1% to 3%, but this campaign got around 10% booked meetings. Gotcha. 10% booked meetings. And you say you aim for 1% to 3% usually. Yeah, aim for one to three percent, but I would say my average between all my clients is like probably three. Gotcha, gotcha. And how many people total were in this campaign? So this campaign had, I want to say, it's like 150 to 200 for starter story. But I did the exact same campaign for other entrepreneurial interview sites. It worked on starter story, and then I went ahead and I did it for a few lead sources that I want to names are kind of small, but I went ahead and did it for a bunch of other um, similar smaller lead sources, and it got the same results. Got, you said 150 to 200 people in the campaign? Yeah, I was around about. Gotcha. That's great. You booked a meeting with 20 people off of 200 or yeah, 15 to 20. 15 to 20. And I closed That's actually like two clients off that campaign as well. I think it was, was it two or three? I closed two clients and I got one on a consult. I, I didn't close them my full package, but I sold a consulting call. So 
I think that yeah, counts. that's excellent. Do you notice most people are like, yeah, let's chat, or do they have questions first when, when you're um, prospecting them? With Starter Story, I'm coming at them from the same level because I've also been featured on it, so it is a lot more casual. But typically, people are just asking for the ideas, and then I give right. them to them. I get a higher response rate when I offer ideas in a video than if I go straight to a phone call. But the question is, am I, is it actually better for business or is it just giving me more replies and more work? So I'm always testing that against each other and it kind of varies. Like if I'm going after bigger prospects, maybe from like a smaller list, I offer a video normally because I know there's limited leads that I could pull from that source. But if I'm going at more like a general Instagram list of people, I'll just go straight to a phone call, which I'll get lower people on a phone call, but also save me time recording videos for people who won't book a call. Right. Are you offering them the ideas on the phone call? Yeah. Okay. And normally on the phone call is the biggest thing for me. It's like I'm I my style of selling is a bit different. Like I'm not a hard sales guy, but most of the time anybody hops on the phone with me, leaves as a friend, or like at least very comfortable with me. So my biggest thing is just breaking down those barriers and just genuinely trying to help them out. And then if it makes sense, it makes sense. I mean, that's, I mean, you're selling without selling, right? That's pretty much it, right? Like that's the, yeah. I feel like that's the best when it's not a sale. I, I think if someone told me something a long time ago, it stuck with me sitting on the same side of the table as the prospect. So instead mm-hmm. of like this more like, I'm going to take your money. No, you're not. <laughs> you know, it's this like, hey, let me show you this stuff that's working for us. You know, the thing. I don't know. It's just my personality because I'm not like a, I don't know, a domi- I'm not like dominating, I guess you could say. Yeah. A D on the um, disc score. The disc. I think I actually am a D on the disc score, funny right. enough. But I, in this type of relationship, I'm, uh, I just, I don't know. I just, because also when I'm being sold to, like, I hate a hard sales pitch. Like, if I mm-hmm. want to buy your stuff, like, I just don't like it. I don't, See, I, I don't know. I like, I like people selling to me. Like, <laughs> I do. I don't know. Do you weird. like you want to buy or you want to learn what they're doing? I'd say both sometimes. Like, I, mostly it is selfish. Like, oh, I like, I like, I don't want to string anybody along, but it's sure. like, I'd like to hear people who are good. It's like, you know, you like to see people who are good. Like, you know, you see someone who's good at a sport, you're like, Sure. I can just, you can just tell that they're really good. Like I'd like to hear people sell and like to stay on top of stuff. Like part of the reason I do this podcast, cause I want to stay, you know, what are you doing? You know, what's working sure. for you? Uh, one more question I have for you, your video conversion rate. So when you send out that video, how many people do you think, or how many people would you say book a call? With it, it depends normally a bit more than half. Like I don't have a natural number on this, but it's normally probably somewhere around 60, 70%. Like most do, but not everybody. Because some people. Great numbers. Yeah. Because once you get to the video, that's the harder step. But getting them after the video to the call, people don't book a call, either just provide no information, or sometimes it's like, thanks, but these ideas aren't something we want to do right now. Okay. Gotcha. Have you ever sold anything not via phone call, just like on the web or something like that? From outreach specifically or? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Back when I was selling my Instagram promotions on pages, again, mm-hmm. this is closer to a twenty-five to fifty-dollar price point for a lot of it. It was I never hopped on the phone with anybody. Sure, it was just straight purchase. But typically, I feel like the phone's the way to do it. Sure. Well, yeah, especially at a certain price point, like someone's going to want to talk to you. For those low ticket, did you 
what did like we don't have to get all into that but what did that look like i'm just curious on that this is again 15 year old me with no business experience so it was like hey man you want to buy a shout out on my page i get over 2000 likes a photo and can send people to your product like i think i addressed people like dude and like man which most of my like up to this point almost all my clients are under 25 so it did work out okay. fine but yeah. it was it was ultra casual sure um there yeah it was just sort of like it, it was not there was no copywriting there was no structure it was just let me go dm 100 people today yeah but the thing is i was dming people other people weren't so even though i wasn't doing the best i was still doing something which is you know most people just hear ideas and don't do anything where i'm exactly. like oh this works so i went out did a crappy job i did a lot of it and i got better and better and better awesome man i love it dfymeetings.com dfymeetings.com you can check out michael and his agency michael loved hearing your story about the campaign and just you know kind of your thought process into in, into what you're doing super sharp guy i love it man pleasure chatting with you thank you i appreciate you having me on all right you have a good one you too I got a lot out of that interview and I really enjoyed listening to how a true practitioner develops and innovates on campaigns from the ground up. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening.